Matthew chapter 26. I'll be reading verse 31 as we look this morning at the betrayals, plural, the betrayals of Jesus. Matthew 26, verse 31. But do keep your Bibles open because we'll be looking elsewhere in that same chapter. So please stand together with me out of honor to God and his word as I read Matthew 26 and verse 31. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. Thank you. You may be seated. As we look at the betrayals of Jesus, plural, obviously we think of Judas, but there's multiple that we'll see from chapter 26 here. And another word for a betrayer is a traitor. And even in the United States, you know, well, before we were in the United States, uh, Benedict Arnold, he's a famous traitor, right? We heard about him. Well, there was a pastor and his son, they were talking, and the son asked his dad, Dad, what do we call someone who leaves our church and joins another church? His dad said, we call him a traitor. The son thinks about it, then he asks, well, Dad, what do we call somebody who leaves another church and joins our church? The dad replies, we call him a convert, son, a glorious convert. So let's look this morning at the betrayals of Jesus. First of all, by way of introduction, have you ever been betrayed? Has anybody ever betrayed you? I'm not talking about politicians now. I'm just talking about somebody else and the rest of your life. To betray means to help the enemy. To betray means to violate a trust. And we think of, when we think of the betrayal of Jesus, we automatically think of Judas, and he's one. When we think of the denial of Jesus, I think we automatically think of Peter, and certainly he's guilty there. But what I want to show you this morning is Jesus was betrayed and or denied by Judas, by Peter, by his own people, the Jews, and by his closest followers. So it's not just something Judas and Peter did. It's something that a bunch of folks did, as you will see. And not only that, but I submit to you this morning that Jesus continues to be betrayed or denied by his followers today. You and I, we continue to either betray or deny Jesus. So let's start by looking, first of all, at the betrayals. First of all, the betrayal by Judas. Now, I want you to look up in verse 21. This betrayal was prophesied. Jesus prophesied it would happen. It says, and as they did eat, he said, truly, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. So he prophesied it. Not only that, he pronounced it. Look in verse 25. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, you said it. And then it was produced. That betrayal was produced. And I want to show you from Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 47. It says, And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? And so not only was this betrayal prophesied and pronounced, but it was produced by a kiss from Judas. Now, the kiss was actually a common form of greeting back in that day. Uh, in fact, if you read your New Testament, we believers are instructed to kiss each other uh, no less than five times in the New Testament. It's in Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, 1 Peter. It says, greet each other with a holy kiss. Now, we don't generally do that, but I'm just saying we're commanded to do that. And if you know anything about Europeans, they still do it. And they don't kiss you once. They kiss you twice. They get both cheeks, these cheeks. They get both cheeks, all right? Well, Judas' kiss here was an insincere greeting. It was an insincere greeting. That kiss should have been a sign of friendship. That kiss should have been a sign of welcome. But instead, it was a sign, first of all, to the guards whom they should arrest in the dark. Look at verse 48. 
Now he that betrayed him gave them a sign saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, hold him fast. Now, now why would they need, they certainly know what Jesus looked like, why would they need this sign, this signal of a kiss so they know who, it was dark, they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, it was dark, it was night, and they couldn't tell who was who, but they could tell who Judas went up and kissed, and that's how they do who to arrest. And so instead of being a sign of friendship and welcome, it was a sign to the guards whom to arrest, and it was a sign of betrayal. So Jesus was betrayed by Judas, but that's not all. He was betrayed by his closest followers, and their names are Peter, James, and John. You can read about that in verse 37. Now, Peter, James, and John, Jesus actually took these three men apart previously. Like, for instance, when Jesus resurrected Jairus' daughter, he said, nobody, I don't want anybody to see this except for Peter, James, and John. And at Jesus' transfiguration, up on the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured, he only had three people with him, Peter, James, and John. And so he would take these three aside. They were kind of Jesus' inner circle. Well, here in this chapter now, Jesus wanted them to watch and pray with him as he was praying. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane now, and he wanted them to watch and pray with him while he contemplated his impending crucifixion and while he prayed to be excused from his impending crucifixion. You may remember when Jesus was there in the garden, he said, Father, take this from me. And he prayed it three times, take this from me. But do you know what Peter, James, and John did? Jesus' closest followers? They fell asleep. They fell asleep. And so Jesus was betrayed not only by Judas. He was betrayed by Peter, James, and John. But that's not all. Jesus was betrayed by his own people, the Jews, the very ones whom he came to save. Matthew puts it this way in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 24. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He came to the Jews to save them. And yet they rejected him. Now, in this chapter, the Jews are represented by the high priest in verse 57, the chief priest in verse 59, the scribes in verse 57, the elders in verse 57, the council in verse 59, and the false witnesses in verse 60. So all these together were representing the people that Jesus came to save, and yet they betrayed him. Indeed, their betrayal manifested itself both verbally and physically. Look over to verse 66. Verse 66 through 68. What think ye? They answered and said, He's guilty of death. Then they spit in his face and hit him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? And so they're verbally abusing him, they're physically abusing him. It's another betrayal. And then I want you to see the fourth betrayal was by Jesus' closest disciple, Peter. Now, Jesus predicted this. If you look back to verse 33, verses 33 and 34, Jesus predicted that this was going to happen. Peter answered and said to him, Though all men shall be offended because of you, yet will I never be offended. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say to you, that this night before the cock crows, you shall deny me three times. And so Jesus predicted it. And I want you to know that Jesus' prediction already began to come true in verse 35. Because Peter not only denied Jesus later on, as we're going to see. But when Jesus said, you're going to deny me, you know what Peter did? He denied it. Look in verse 35. Peter said unto him, though I should die with you, yet I will not deny you. And so the denial had already begun before the denial ever had an opportunity. He said, Jesus, you don't know what you're talking about. 
And let's look at Peter's three denials. First of all, in verse 70, look at verse 70. When these people standing around the fire accuse Peter of being with Jesus, he says, I don't know what you're talking about. Verse 70. But he denied before them all saying, I don't know what you're saying. And then look in verse 72. He says, I don't even know Jesus. And again, he denied with an oath. I don't know the man. And his third denial in verse 74, in the Greek, this is emphatic. He's kind of underlining it in the Greek. I don't know Jesus. Look what he says. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. Peter was saying here, he was not associated with Jesus. Peter was saying here, he had nothing to do with Jesus. And not only did Jesus prophesied this betrayal. He knew it was going to happen. Jesus watched it happen. It's one thing to know something's going to happen, especially if it's something bad. But then to see it happen makes it all that much worse. Luke gives the account in Luke chapter 22 and verse 60. Look what he says. And Peter said, man, I don't know what you're saying. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew, and the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Now what was that look? Peter's just denied Jesus the third time in a row. And now Jesus looks right at him. Was Jesus looking at him say, I told you so. I told you. Or was Jesus looking at him saying, how could you? After all we've been through, how could you? Or do you agree with me that when Jesus looked at Peter, he said, Peter, I still love you. I still love you. And so we see there wasn't just one betrayal, Judas. Yes, he was guilty. So was Peter, James, and John. So was Peter on his own. And so were the Jews as a whole. But you remember in the introduction I said it's not just those guys that betrayed Jesus. His followers still today betray or deny him. So how do we betray Jesus today? Well, like Judas, with insincere greeting. Remember Judas had that insincere kiss? Again, a kiss was a popular way back then, a common way to greet somebody, friendship, welcome. We do the same thing with insincere greetings to God as we engage in faithless prayer. Oh, we pray, we bow our heads and fold our hands, but we don't believe what we're asking. We don't believe what we're saying. And back in Matthew 21 and verse 22, Jesus said, anything you ask believing, you shall receive. How about meaningless worship? This is another insincere greeting. Uh, we come here week in and week out, and we stand up when we're told to stand up. We sit down when we're told to sit down. We bow our heads when we're told to bow our heads. We sing when we're told to sing. And yet we're just going through the motions. We don't mean it. We don't pay attention to what we're doing. This is insincere greeting, just like Judas. We betrayed Jesus like Judas did. But how about like Peter, James, and John? Remember what they did? When Jesus needed them most, they fell asleep during prayer. You ever fallen asleep while praying? Seriously. I don't pray at night anymore. You know why? I kept falling asleep on Jesus. He's the King of kings and Lords of lords. I ought to be able to stay awake for him. I couldn't do it. Now, I will tell you this. Before I, you know, when I put my head on the pillow, I have a quick, short prayer. But when I spend time in prayer, it ain't at night. Because I got tired of waking up later and apologizing to Jesus because he don't ever sleep. So he knew I was sleeping. But that's what these guys did. They fell asleep on Jesus during prayer. We betrayed Jesus just the same. Or how about like the Jews? 
We betray Jesus today like the Jews did by rejecting his lordship over us. You see, we want Jesus as our savior, but we don't want him as Lord. We want our fire insurance. We don't want to go to hell, right? And so we want him to be our savior, absolutely. But when we find out he wants to be Lord also, and that word means master or boss, we're not interested. Just save me and let me do whatever I want to do, right? And that's how the Jews were too. But I want you to understand that Jesus is not either Savior or Lord. He is Savior and Lord. And if Jesus is, he is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all of your life. So let me ask you, knowing this, that Jesus is Lord. He is master. He is boss. Is Jesus Lord of your life? I didn't ask you if he's your savior. Is he Lord? Is he calling the shots? Is he telling you what to do? That's what a Lord does. How do we betray Jesus today? Like Judas, insincere greetings. Like Peter, James, and John by falling asleep during prayer. Like the Jews by rejecting his lordship over us. Or like Peter by denying him verbally. Remember, Jesus said, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know the man. Sometimes we may use actual words like Peter. We get in a discussion and we're talking to people and they they start making fun of Christians and we don't want them to know we're a Christian. And so we join in their conversation. We say, those people are crazy that believe that stuff. Church people, I don't know what to think about that. Or maybe we don't do that. We use no words. We intentionally miss opportunities to be a witness for Christ. When there are plenty of opportunities, God opens wide the door where we can share Christ. And we're like, well, I see the door is open. I'm not going through. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. It's just the opposite of what Peter did. Now, there's other ways we betray or deny Jesus as well. For instance, by disobedience to his word. You know, we have the Gideons here today reminding us just how important God's word is and getting it out there. But when we disobey his word, uh, what good is it? Through our own immoral behavior. We know enough about the Bible. You may not know everything, but you know enough about it. You know the things you're supposed to do and you're not supposed to do, right? But when we engage in immoral behavior, we are disobeying God and we're disobeying his word. Or how about when we're unforgiving towards others? This is disobedience to God and his word. When we refuse to forgive. I mentioned Mr. Leo that he was, you know, he didn't hold a grudge. Uh, He held an apology for a year. And I wasn't holding a grudge either. I, I kind of had forgotten about it because I got hit by a tree or something happened to me. But anyway, uh, the fact of the matter was, uh, you know, he came up apologizing. And I messed, I messed, I forgot an appointment with somebody this week too. And I apologized to this person profusely. I just forgot. I apologized. And he told me, he said, you're forgiven. I said, well, I know I'm forgiven because you have to forgive me 70 times 7. He's like, yeah, but you're down to 69 now. But when we refuse to forgive, we're denying Christ. We're betraying him. What about when we deny the truth about Jesus? Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is perfect. I had some Jehovah's Witnesses visit me last week, and I certainly respect their, their, um, their commitment to get out there and knock on doors, but uh, they were pretty sorry they came to see me because I was ready for them. And I told them about themselves, and I told them about what they believe, and I told them about that supposed scriptures that they have, and, you know, I was ready. But we, right off the bat, I said, Jesus is God. And they said, no, 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 he's not. That's where it started. I could have denied him right then just to get them off my porch. No way. I wanted them to know before they left, Jesus is God. 
and he's perfect. And maybe we deny the truth about his word. God's word is inerrant. It is infallible. It is perfect. And I know there's people, theologians, with all kind of degrees behind their name and so on, and they say, well, you know, it's got a problem here, and it's got a problem here, and it's got a conflict there. When you find a problem with God's word, let me tell you where the problem is. It's with you. But we deny him when we deny the truth of his word. Another way we betray or deny Jesus is in laziness in or lack of service to him. So we can serve him. There are all ways that we can, all different ways that we can serve him. But when we're lazy towards that service or we just don't do it, we're denying him. We're betraying him. What about when we exercise poor stewardship over the things that he has entrusted to us? We are denying him, betraying him. What about when we engage, uh, we don't engage in fellowship with his body, the church? You see, we need continual fellowship with God's people. That's why we're open every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. We're open. Because we understand, people, we need continual fellowship. But you know the old saying, the only time some people want the church is when they're hatched, matched, and dispatched. And we're not here just for hatching, matching, and dispatching. We're here for continual fellowship. Or how about this last thing? I could go on. We deny and betray Jesus when we harbor unholy thoughts. Now, let me say this. We can't help evil thoughts sometimes. Sometimes we're minding our own business and just a bad thought pops in. We don't even know where it came from. But where we're responsible is if we decide to dwell on those evil thoughts. So you can't help it if it pops in there, but you can help it if you dwell on it. So what should you do? We must combat holy thoughts, uh, unholy thoughts, with holy thoughts. Paul talks about that in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, where he says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So that evil thought comes in there, you weren't looking for it, you weren't asking for it, don't dwell on it, start thinking about good stuff, godly stuff. And so we see Jesus had multiple betrayals, and we continue to betray today. But here's what I want to leave you with, and that is that Jesus loves and forgives those who betray him. He loves and forgives those who betray him. Jesus died for those who betrayed him back then, 2,000 years ago. Jesus died for those who betray him now, and I'm one of them. And I want us to consider Peter. You know about Peter. Now, Peter walked with Jesus. Peter even walked on water with Jesus. Peter was the first to declare who Jesus is. In Caesarea Philippi, Matthew 16, 16, he says, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter was the spokesperson for all the disciples. And yet he betrayed Jesus, denying him three times in a row, saying, I don't know this man. I don't know what you're talking about. And then he began to curse and swear. But I want you to see how Jesus forgave and restored Peter. This comes from John chapter 21. I know the words are small, but you can look it up in your own Bible. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said unto him, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, do you love me? He said unto him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said unto him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Now this post-resurrection scene that I just read to you opens on the shoreline 
after a miraculous catch of fish and breakfast with Jesus. And Jesus asked Peter three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then notice Jesus offers three restorations, one for each of his denials. Remember, he denied Jesus three times. Here in this passage, he restores him three times. The first thing he says is, feed my lambs. Now, in the Greek, it says, keep on feeding my lambs. You were already feeding them before, Peter. Keep on feeding them. And then he says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. You see, Jesus was calling Peter from being a fisherman to being a shepherd. Peter was no longer a failed, useless disciple. Peter was now a forgiven, useful disciple whom Jesus called to serve God's people. But before Peter could be properly prepared for his future, he had to be restored from his past. And Jesus did that. And he restored him one time for each of Peter's three denials. Let me close with this. We all deny Christ. I include myself. We all deny Christ. But understand this. Our denials, number one, cannot overpower his forgiveness. No matter how often you deny him, that cannot overpower his forgiveness. Secondly, we all deny Christ, but our denials will not separate us from his love for us. Paul writes about that in Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 38. He said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yes, you may deny Christ, but that's not going to separate you from his love. He loves you. Guess what? He can't help it. He wouldn't have it any other way. Indeed, that's why he went to the cross, because he loved you so much. He wanted to live with you forever. And so he died on that cross, shedding his blood. He was buried, and the third day he rose again from the dead to not only pay for your sins, but so he could grant you life eternal with him in heaven. And one more thing, though we all deny Christ, our denials cannot overpower his forgiveness. They will not separate us from his love. And lastly, learn from Peter, our denials do not disqualify us from serving him. You might say, well, I've just denied Jesus too much. I've denied him verbally. I've denied him physically the things that I do. And there's no way he could use me. Yes, he can. And yes, he will. He loves you. He'll forgive you. He'll use you. You're not disqualified. Because that's what we call God's grace. We all deny Christ. Maybe in our own different ways, but we all are guilty. Not just Peter, not just Judah, Judas, not just James and John, not just the Jews. We all deny Christ. But our denials do not overpower his forgiveness, will not separate us from his love, and do not disqualify us from serving him. So the invitation this morning First of all, have you ever received Christ as your Savior? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins, that he was buried for your sins, and he rose again the third day? Have you received him as your Savior? That's the only way to have your sins forgiven. That's the only way to go to heaven. Yes, that is your fire insurance, receiving Jesus as Savior. But remember, he's not just Savior. He's not only Savior. He's Savior and Lord. So receive Christ as your Savior, as your Lord here today. And if you've already received Christ as your Savior, you realize you've denied him. Maybe not once or twice, maybe many, many times, and for a long time. And because of that, you feel defeated. You feel like you're useless. You come to church, but 
you don't really feel like there's anything, any way God could use you, remember, we all deny it. That does not overpower his forgiveness. It doesn't separate us from his love. And it doesn't disqualify us from serving him. That's why Jesus uses that Greek participle where he tells Peter, keep on feeding my lambs. Keep on. You're already feeding them. You fed them before. You're feeding them now. Keep on feeding them. You're not disqualified. I want to use you, Peter. And he did. And he's still using Peter today because I'm still talking about him. So the invitation to receive Christ as your Savior and Lord, having received him, don't live a defeated life. Know that you're loved. Know that you're forgiven. And know that God is ready to use you in whatever way he leads you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace, your forgiveness. You're so good to us. And we're not always so good to you. We confess it. We admit it. But we thank you that even when we deny even when we betray, you forgive us, you love us, you still use us. If there is somebody here that needs to receive Christ as Savior and Lord today, give them grace and faith to believe right here, right now. And we thank you in Jesus' name.